You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome, well-wishers, well-doers, and whiz kids. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 77, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your pensive podcasting pals partial to palindromes, paradoxes, and piranhas. Mm, you seem out of oh, breath. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, pop filters. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. And let's jump into our general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hotshot. Hold and up. T- I'm going to oh, do it. Hold up. Wait a minute. <laughs> really? All right. Yes. <laughs> Record scratch. Well, on, yeah. the, on the way here to Collins, I stopped by a flea market and found something amazing that I thought was really going to be great for, for Good Job Brain, which is uh-huh. an old 1960s board game edition of Jeopardy. Wow. Yes. This predates even Alex Trebek. Wow. <laughs> uh, this board game was in basically brand new condition. It was all shrink wrap inside. I could not inside. believe it was the shrink yeah. 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 You just say the things hadn't even been opened up inside. Yeah. yeah. So we broke the shrink wrap. We, we popped it open. <laughs> we have here questions from uh, 1960s Jeopardy. And I've picked out a couple of categories. Some of these questions are going to be dated and, <laughs> and no longer correct. Hilariously uh, so. And some of them are going to call on knowledge that you could not possibly be expected to know. However, uh, we're going to do it anyway. Okay. At least when we had our um, 80s trivia cards, at least we can kind of pretend to be in that mindset because we, we were either born or were alive in the 80s. This, I don't know. This, this I'm not to, so sure. You have to yeah. channel your inner Don Draper uh, oh, no. to try to get through this. So I need a drink first. Yeah, give, me, give, me, give me a martini. The category is journalism. Oh. So for $100, in the newspaper industry, word for a personal credit. Oh. Colin. Uh, is that the byline? A byline. What yes. is byline? What yeah. is a byline? Is it, is it the byline? Uh, yes. like, okay. Henceforth, remember to answer in the form of a question. <laughs> that was kind of, yeah. Here we go. The two leading news services. Oh. Colin. Uh, what are yes. the AP, the Associated yes. Press, yes. and the UPI? Yes, you're absolutely uh-huh. right. I was going to guess Reuters. What is so, UPI? Uh, UPI is United Press International, and it used to be. It's still around, but it's very, very small and just sort of does little things now. But it used to be as big as the as the AP, wow. the Associated Press, which is still as big as it was. The answer is now Gawker and uh, <laughs> TMZ. <laughs> Updates. Midwestern city that publishes The Plain Dealer. Oh. Uh, Colin. What is Cleveland? What is Cleveland? Yes, uh, yes, indeed. What is that? The Cleveland Plain Dealer is a newspaper. P L A I N. Yes. Not, Not airplane. P-L- right. Oh, oh. oh. Right. I was thinking like Boeing? Right. Like Plain Dealer Sky is Mall? In a, a no. Cleveland yes. Aviation News and General okay. Interest okay. Publication. Yeah, that was like, it's really specific. <laughs> For 400 real dollars, the answer is the New York Times famous motto. The oh. New York Times famous motto. Very well known. Dana? What is all the news fit to print? Yes, all the news okay. that's fit to print. Oh, yes. that was, that's very snappy. Yep. And uh, for $500, its last page used to be called Speaking of Pictures, dot, dot, dot. Karen! What is USA Today? It is not USA Today. Mm-hmm. I don't think that existed then. It may not have. Uh, speaking, speaking of Pictures. Speaking of Pictures. 
What is Life what magazine? Is life yeah. Magazine, that's uh, it. Yep. Which ceased publication actually in the year 2000. It, wow. was, it was a monthly for a while there. It held on. It really did. It did. Used to be an American uh, institution, and now it is nothing. Uh, okay, let's go to Double Jeopardy. The category is food for $200. Yay! Contents of the lower half of a double boiler. Oh. Karen. What is water? What is water? Yeah. Exactly, yes. <clears throat> Occupational hazard of a prize fighter. <laughs> Karen. What is cauliflower ear? Cauliflower. Yeah. Yeah. Remember the category yeah. is Okay, yes. Food. Yes. Okay. yes, yes. <laughs> this is great. I love this. In Spanish, it means chili with meat. <laughs> Dana. What is chile con carne? Chile con carne. Oh, yeah. Slightly more esoteric knowledge in <laughs> Gummy green vegetable used to make gumbo. Uh, Karen. What is okra? What is okra? Yeah. Yes. There may have been Dana who buzzed in, oh, but Karen, yeah. Karen waved her buzzer yeah. in the air. <laughs> Dramatically. Kind of, it really got my attention. <laughs> yeah. I'm easily distracted. <laughs> Finally, TV Cook, excuse me, for $1,000. TV Cook, who wrote The Art of French oh. Cooking. Uh, <laughs> who is Julia Child? It is Julia Child, yes. That's. That's the last. I know that was the I hardest know. question. I don't know. Maybe she's yeah. still new. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. people didn't watch cooking shows as much back in the day. Well, that's uh, that's your '60s Jeopardy for this week. Wow. If it proved to be a popular segment, we'll bring it Not back. Not bad. I, I greatly enjoyed that. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like name the president. Who you're like? Wait a minute. <laughs> I picked some categories that actually had questions that we could answer. Like some of these are not. The, some of the entire categories we would be just completely like what? On. Like what? Like the British Empire, if we were really. <laughs> Um, some of the some of the answers is like who is Gypsy Rose Lee? I'm like I don't know. Who oh, is the stripper. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, depending on would you be able to get the, oh, the answer? Okay. Basically, sorry. And then there's one called Cowboys and Indians that is that is offensive. <laughs> I was wondering. Like, was, like, just, just downright offensive. All right. <laughs> All right. Good job, brains. Thank you, Chris and Old Timey Jeopardy. So this episode is 77, episode 77. Do you guys know 77 is the smallest positive integer requiring five syllables? Oh. 77. That's a good oh. one. Yeah, and then uh, another cool fact about the number 77 is that during World War II in Sweden, at the border with Norway... 77, no, the, the word, was used as a password mm. because it's one of the trickiest things to pronounce in Swedish. So they can then easily identify people whether or not they're native Swedish uh, or Norwegian or German based uh, on how they say 77. Oh, I love that. I love stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know what it is in Swedish and I probably would garble it up, but... There you go. And so this week, I don't think this will surprise anybody that I'm a big math nerd uh, since I was a kid. I like numbers and I like math and I think it's really cool. None of us are surprised. We knew. (laughs) Not surprised. Nope. Not surprised. (laughs) So we thought this week would be a good episode on numbers. I'm coming for that number one crush. Hey, keep it going, it won't stop. What you doing, man? I'm coming for that number one crush. Yes, indeed, ludicrous. I'm hotter than Nevada. I used to watch Square One TV. Like I know, oh. it, you might be thinking, can you make a show about numbers interesting? Maybe we can, maybe we can't. But I used to watch Square One TV when yeah. I came home from school, and that I don't know what that's. It's great. so great. good. Show about numbers. I did not like math. 
as a kid, oh. but I liked English. But like, I loved Square One TV. Square One's entertaining. It was a treat at school it, when the oh, teacher sure. wanted to give us a treat, or they didn't prepare a lesson for the day. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. We, yep. we would watch Square One. Yep. Um, or if the teacher just wanted to put their head down on their desk for a day. <laughs> I mean, but either way, as an was, adult now, I'm like, I, I could see that. Basically, sure. it was <laughs> it was a variety slash comedy skit show with lots and lots of music that was all about just like teaching basic mathematical concepts oh. and the i mean just especially the the really memorable thing i mean there were a lot of like cool segments but the songs that they did were fantastic and they really stuck in your head there was yeah. a there's a song called eight percent of my love that teaches um, <laughs> it teaches percentages um but it is a meatloaf parody it is a parody of like <laughs> paradise by the dashboard light and and oh. other meatloaf songs with the piano and everything it's I love brilliant. The, one of the great songs Dana actually brought up, totally unprovoked, uh, was a great song called 999, when they sing about the fantastic, fantastic number nine. nine. Times any number you can find. Song. It all comes back to nine. <laughs> And it is talking about the um, that was the their best song. magical <laughs> the magical seeming property of the number nine huh. is that if you multiply nine by times any number, any number at all, and then Take your answer and add up the digits. And then if you get a two-digit or three-digit, whatever, whatever, however many digit answers, just keep adding them and adding them and adding them until you get to a single digit, it will always add up to nine. Mm. Any multiple of nine. They didn't really explain. Explain it <laughs> when you know in Square One TV they just talk about how awesome it was and it is awesome. It is uh, because as you know when you're a kid and you're in math class you're asked a lot to like what are the factors of this number like is this yep. number a multiple yep. of this yep. is it a multiple yep. of that and so a really mm -hmm. good way of figuring out if the number was a multiple of nine is that you know if you calculated if you added up all the digits it would have to get to nine. That one did seem magical mm -hmm. to me as I mean even when I only could multiply you know up to two digits it still yes. seemed magic. I'm like eighteen eight plus one is nine. It's yep. incredible. Yeah. yeah it's amazing oh, and it's like you know yeah. you, you you would you try to trick it you know write down <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah. you write down like a 25 digit random number it's like well surely this will will ruin all and you yeah. spend an hour like adding and adding and adding and adding and adding and then it's nine again yeah yeah <laughs> so when you're doing this what you are doing is it is called you are taking the digital root of the number that process of iterative summing until you get down to a single digit by adding then adding again is called taking the digital root. Okay. And these are actually pretty useful. Like they're they contain information. The digital knowing the digital root of a number tells you something. So for example, uh, another trick we might have learned in school is that the digital root of any multiple of three yep, 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 will yep. be either three, six, or nine. And that's how you know if a large number is divisible by three. Yep, yep. Um, the digital roots of successive multiples of eight, so the digital root of eight is eight, right? Mm -hmm. Eight times two is 16. The digital root of that is seven. Yeah. Eight times three is 24. Digital root of that is six. six. The, digital oh, roots of, the digital roots of eight are eight, seven, six, five, oh. four, three, two, one, nine, eight, seven, six, on into infinity. If you if you take a random huge uh, sum, so let's say 
465,135 plus 321,657 equals, because I did this in a calculator, 786,792. Take my word for it. The digital root of the first number is 6. The digital root of the second number is 6. And the digital root of 786,792, if you get it down to two digits, it's it's 12. The dig- If you start digital rooting anything in like a sum of numbers, the digital root equation that you get down to, you will get to something that is true. Whoa. Yep. This is used, this can be used as like a sanity check. If you're adding up like a whole bunch of different numbers, you can digital root them all and then add it up. And if it's not, if it's, if it's, True, it's it's a good indication that you did it right, and if it's not true, you have some issue with your math. That's wow. not a shortcut. Yeah, built yeah. in error mm-hmm. checking. Yep. Yeah. It's not a hundred percent accurate apparently, but it's uh it's good enough that like it's a good thing to do. So, what is it about nine? Why is the digital root of any multiple of nine nine? I'm wrapped here. I'm okay, here we go. Huh. There, there's actually nothing special about nine. What is special about it is that we work in base uh, ten. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nine that's... is one less than the base that we work in, right? Because we work with the ones column, tens column, hundreds column, computer counts in base two, uses binary, right? What do we say to school kids to make it easier on them if I want to add nine to a number? What do we tell them to do? Add and subtract one. Yeah. Yeah. We tell them, we tell them add one to the tens column and then subtract one from the ones column. So if you have like 18 and you want to add nine to it, you subtract one from the ones column, seven, and then add one to the ten, two. 18 plus nine is 27. That's an easy way to add nine. I still do this, by the way. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When you add nine to something, you never change the sum of the digits. The digits in that within that number are always going to be the same sum because you're just deleting one from one column. Because remember, when you're adding up the digits... It doesn't matter if it's tens or hundreds oh, or thousands one or anything. Away and adding, and adding one. one. Yeah. 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 So it's gonna it's always it you're never way. changing the sum. So if you start with nine, what is multiplication? It's just adding nine over and over and over again. So if you start with mm-hmm. nine and you keep taking away one and adding one, it's always gonna add up to, to nine. nine. Always. So if you're working in hexadecimal base sixteen, fifteen is the magic number. Mm. So every multiple of 15 in base 16 will always add back up to 15. Um, makes so much cool. sense. This yeah. all okay. Now this should explain eight because when you add eight to something, you take two away from the ones column and add only add one. one more. That's why. Hence, it... the digital root goes down, 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 down. The digital root of any positive integer shows you where that number is on the number line um, in relative position to the last multiple of nine. So. An example, 11, the digital root of 11 is 2. two. two. It is two places after the last, after 9. Oh. The digital root of 21 is 3. Three. It is three numbers after 18, the last multiple of 9. That will always be wow. the case. So, we all know our multiplication tables, right? We're in grammar sure. school, and they show us this big square, the checkerboard pattern, and the numbers 1 through 9 go down the side, the numbers 1 through 9 go across the top, and yeah. then within the checkerboard, they show you what those numbers multiply out to. Mm-hmm. If you were to make a multiplication table, but instead of putting the products of the multiplication, but instead put in the digital roots of those products, mm-hmm. um, you get what is known as a Vedic square, V-E-D-I-C, old mathematical square. As you examine the Vedic square, you will find that if you look at each individual number and where it appears in the square, 
and you actually like play connect the dots with them, they all connect up to symmetrical geometric patterns. So like the sixes in the Vedic square, there's a cluster of them. Then there's another symmetrical cluster of them. And you can join it up to create like a star type pattern within the square. A lot of Islamic art uses these patterns, the old, old, old Islamic art, because representational art, like you can't draw people, you know, according to some interpretations of the religion, you can't like draw people or animals or whatever. Like they do art that is, that is abstract, but it is founded in mathematical formulas. And a lot of the patterns are gotten Mm -hmm. from taking this Vedic square of digital roots and just joining up where the numbers meet. Whoa! <laughs> Pulling up the images. <laughs> yeah. This is insane. Oh, it. Oh, the wow. third image there shows you like the locations of the numbers within the it's square. It's like mm-hmm. starburst. Oh, it's beautiful. And the thing is, you can take it's it. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, and you can like join it up. It's like, oh well, I'll take the 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 pattern that emerges for six and the pattern that emerges for three, and then I'll just draw that as one geometric shape. Mm. That will be a symmetrical shape, really and then cool. you can lay that on top of something else and use different colors. Yeah, you can see why the early mathematicians like were just, just like the, this almost magical power that the numbers had. These like yeah. hidden patterns that you mm-hmm. see. That is really cool. Mm. All right, you math nerds. Oh, that's me. <laughs> All right, you normal nerds. Stop projecting. <laughs> um, I got a math quiz, and I, you know, I think one of the reasons why I was so drawn to math as a kid is um, I'm a visual thinker, and I can visualize a lot of the things that m- math describes, like mm. you know, uh, dots on a graph or the shape when you rotate along this axis. Like I can really picture it in mm. sort of the volume and, and shapes and stuff. I have a cool mathematical shape quiz and it really is cool i'm not just saying that (laughs) and they're weird technical shape names but they're shapes that you probably see every day okay okay didn't know then the name okay um for example and we've had this like i think twice on the show the shape of a donut a taurus yes is a taurus i think of it as a bagel but you know (laughs) potato potato all right brings back some memories all right The Sierpinski Triangle is one of my favorite shapes. Um, I remember actually I wrote a paper about it in 10th grade. It's a fractal. So Mm -hmm. parts of it can be repeated within itself. Uh, Um, I might know it as a Sierpinski's Triangle, but uh, gamers might have seen a similar shape from a very famous Ah. video game franchise. (laughs) What shape in video game am I talking about? Chris. I think you're talking about the Triforce in yes. Zelda. Okay. The Triforce. And it is. Yeah, you can repeat that design inside itself forever. If you guys know Legend of Zelda, the Triforce, which is three triangles, one triangle on top and two triangles at bottom, and it looks like a big triangle together. If you keep repeating that in every single triangle, you get what is called a Sierpinski's triangle. Oh, okay. Mm. It's really four triangles. Well, one's in the negative space. Yeah, three three in the positive space. Well, five, because then we have the big big triangle. But really infinite triangles. All right. What is a radix? It's also called a radical symbol. Oh. Right. (laughs) I I, I was like, oh, that sounds familiar. What is it from? (laughs) What? Hmm. Is it the circle around it? It is the name of that weird checkmark symbol when you write a root. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. oh. So like yes. the little the little V with the extended yeah. tail. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like a check mark. The radical of a number. Yeah. With, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, right. Radix. There you go. Radix. Okay. 
hyperbolic paraboloid might sound super technical or like a medical disease, um, but it's thanks to this shape that this particular snack is able to snack on top of themselves very neatly. <laughs> Oh, oh. Uh, would that be Pringles potato yes. chips? Pringles. Yes. Mm-hmm. I need to know the mathematical name for when you have the inverted Pringles and make duck lips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've all yeah. done that. There, there should be a name. <laughs> yeah. Hyperbolic paraboloids. Right, truncated hyperbolic paraboloid lips. All right. Which game table in a casino can you see people tossing two regular hexahedrons? <laughs> Colin. That would be at the craps table. That craps oh, table. Oh, come on, guys. This is a clean show. <laughs> a hexahedron is a is a 3D shape that has six sides, and a regular uh, hexahedron is a cube, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cube has six faces. This is my last challenge. So a three-sided shape is called a... Triangle. 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 We're all looking at <laughs> questions. Uh, four-sided is called... Um, quadrilateral. Rectangle. Quadrilateral. <laughs> quadrilateral. Quadrilateral. Yeah. Okay. quadrilateral. Five-sided? Pentagon. Yeah. <laughs> well, right, you guys well, are so unsure. I will, we're, we're all waiting for the one where you're going to yeah, trick us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pentagon. Also an authoritative yeah. way. A five-sided yeah. figure yes. is a pentagon. Yeah. Six is a hexagon. hexagon. Eight is a... Oh, octagon. Octagon. Yeah. octagon. What is a seven-sided shape called? Septagon. Yeah, septagon. Incorrect. No. Is it a heptagon? Yeah. Oh, a heptagon. Heptagon, not a septicon. I didn't. Oh. <laughs> it sounded like a septagon. transformer. Yeah. I knew there was a thing. I knew there was a thing called a heptagon, but yeah. I thought that maybe that was only in the. So 60s. I have a very bad mnemonic to remember this. Go on. Hepcats. Yes. Like, you know, like you're a cool hepcat. Uh-huh. Hepcats has uh-huh. seven letters. Uh-huh. So it's a seven-sided. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay, all right. But it's, it's hep, cool. hep-cats. Hep-cats. Not hep-cat. Well, well you're like hep-cat, that's six, six it, letters, six sides, that's a hexagon. It presumes that you know hexagon and octagon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, what about a nine-sided shape? This I definitely am not going to get wrong. It's a nonagon. <laughs> yeah. Yes, okay. it is. Nonagon. Mm-hmm. It's fun to say. Good job, you guys. That was my quick math shape quiz. That was good. That's that was pretty good. cool. That was good. Okay, I'm going to talk about numbers you see all the time, if you don't interact with necessarily all the time, but you definitely see them all the time. Phone numbers. Like, I don't, I haven't memorized any phone numbers in so long. long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the days since, yeah, since you just entered in your phone memory. I, oh, man. I, I'm nervous. I think about memorizing something all the time. I should. Like, I know my phone number. I, I think that's it. I know my phone, phone number yeah. and the phone number of the house where I grew up. I know. <laughs> and, and not many more yeah. past that. I know my best friend in high school's parents' phone number. <laughs> like I was like, I could just call them, I guess, if something <laughs> happens. <laughs> I know the old customer service number for Nintendo. <laughs> oh, they'll help you, there. Right? Yeah, they'll still help you. I know 510-841-WEST, uh-huh. which is the pizza place that we used okay. to order pizza from. <laughs> so West something Coast happens pizza. to your phone. You can still get pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the format of the 10-digit phone number in America is three numbers, then three numbers, and then four numbers. Yeah. The first three numbers are the... Area code. And the second three numbers are the... Exchange. Yes. What? Okay, yeah. And the last four are just the number. Area codes were established in 1951. They were originally called North American Numbering Plan. (laughs) There were under 90 codes when they first did it. 
and they dished it out by population density. So if you were in a really densely populated place, you um, had a number like a one or a two. And that was because we used to actually have to dial a phone. Mm -hmm. Like there was a little rotary dial on it. You put your finger in it and you drag it all the way around. So the fastest dial. Yes. Okay. So if you were in a big place, you had the best numbers. You had the fastest. New York City was 212, right? Yeah. LA was 213. Chicago was 312. Because of convenience. So you don't have to pull your finger too far around to call the most popular numbers. What's the exchange? Okay, so the exchange consists of two letters that correspond to where you reside, your town code or your location code. No way. I Love Lucy or old TV shows, they would be like Klondike 549 or mm. KL. So it's KL are mm. the letters. I'm in Klondike, but I'm in District 4, so it's mm-hmm. KL4. And then the last four are your actual phone number or the, right. the number that you get. And that's why there are letters on the phone number. It's because they correspond mm-hmm. to your exchange. And now people use them to spell out words or right, yeah. right. whatever. Well, was, but, yeah. I'm guessing it was easier to remember, to just remember the name of the exchange and then five numbers instead of just having to remember seven numbers. That's why they did it that way. They were using the names because they thought people wouldn't be able to remember seven digits. <laughs> like it, it helped make it easier to remember how to connect with people. But they moved away from it. It was it was, it was a pain to do. So they just moved to um, translating all those names into the numbers that they corresponded to mm, on the okay, phone thing. Okay. It wasn't until 1991 that the exchange part of phone numbers would have a zero or a one in the middle. And that ah. had to do with the letters because there's no letters on the zero right, or one. Yeah. And those corresponded to your neighborhood. So there were no neighborhoods that had oh, just one. Yeah, letter. you're so, right. I never even thought about that. Can you guess what the most expensive phone number is? Somebody sold I for $2.7 million. <laughs> okay, okay. The most expensive phone number ever sold. Yeah. My first thought was it was like one two three four five six seven, but that oh, couldn't be no, because I'm, they didn't it's, have it's, a one. It's got to be one eight hundred sex talk or something like that. <laughs> I was gonna guess all eight. Oh, that's a good guess. Because all eights. Um, in in the Chinese culture, eight means to get that's rich a, or to get wealthy. So I'll, a lot of numbers. That's are a good lucky guess. If it's all Could be eights. all sevens too. You guys are totally on the right right track. It's yeah. it's all sixes. It was okay. sold in oh, Qatar. Great. And it's funny you say eight because legend has it that Steve Wozniak. Had had the phone number that was all eights. He likes all the, the stuff. He likes repeating numbers. So this is part of the legend, and he decided not to have that phone number anymore because he'd get prank calls, like a hundred prank calls a oh, day. Sure. Yeah, just somebody pushing eight a bunch of times and calling him. Yep. Steve, your refrigerator. <laughs> the, the prank within a prank. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. A word from our sponsor. Hey Matt, did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. 
Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Welcome back. You're listening to Good Job Brain. This week we're talking about Numbers. So let me ask you guys a question about Roman numerals. All right. Yeah, yeah this is not going to be our super tricky one. I mean, we oh. do get these, though, at pub quizzes. This is like a crossword staple. Express, okay. yeah, the year 2013 oh, yeah. in Roman numerals. You know, we get <laughs> always, those. And always it's... in the bottom corner of the crossword puzzle <laughs> yeah. where they just uh-huh. run out of words. And it's just like Roman I, numeral I, I, meaning uh, 58. You know, these days, yeah, Roman numerals is pretty much in movie credits or when they're filling up space in the crossword. Yep. So just very quickly, we do a quick quiz here. There's no, yeah. nothing difficult. I mean, you guys know what the Roman numeral for four is. Sure. IV. Sure. And you know what the Roman numeral for ten is. Yes. Right. Okay. You get it. And then, you know, there's M and L and mm-hmm. C and D. We go on. Always. Uh, do you guys know what the Roman numeral is for zero? There, what? There is none because there was no zero. That's right. Mm-hmm. This was a Chris Kohler trick question. The Romans <laughs> did not have a numeral that indicated zero. Mm-hmm. And it's not as unusual a phenomenon uh, as, as, it, as you might have once thought. A lot of the ancient numbering systems didn't consider zero a number. And mm-hmm. it, it sounds really hard to get to kind of wrap your mind around oh, the right. idea. It's like yeah. a philosophical kind of arguments. Like, well, is, there's it's nothing, nothing to count. It's, well, yeah. it's not philosophical. It's really grounded in reality. Like, what are you using numbers for? You're using numbers to carve on a stone tablet how many sheep you sold the farmer next door. Well, you can't sell him no sheep. So why it's are you blank. even writing? You're not going to yeah. write in a... Yeah, well, you're not going to give him a blank tablet either. That's totally right. And, yeah. you know, the, the numbers and numerals were things for tallying and commerce and keeping track of sheep and, yeah. you know, maybe how many taxes you owed and things like that. But mm. if you're just doing really, really mm. simple, not even math, but just simple basic recordings of numbers, the idea of a nothing or a void, right. yeah. it, it didn't it didn't rise to the level of having a symbol, a consistent symbol, let's say, to represent that because you weren't using numerals yeah. to do advanced math. That makes sense. You know, there are a lot of cultures, the ancient cultures, where they would have symbols that were, they were just sort of placeholders, you know, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't say that it came before one. It's just, oh, I'll just make a mark here to indicate nothing here as you say karen it really was philosophical and like the greeks the ancient greeks would have this was an intense issue for them is well is zero a thing you know numbers number our numerals name things out in the universe but how can how can a something be a nothing and it was it was beyond just a matter of recording digits down and they didn't have it the greeks did not have a a zero in the sense that we talk about a zero romans didn't have it you know part of it is because they didn't have you know positional uh, numbering system. So like, you know uh, how we've got like our tens ten. column, our ones yeah. column. Right. right. And that was part of it. But there were even cultures like the Babylonians that had positional uh, numeral systems and they didn't necessarily consider 
a number as a zero. They would have placeholders or just a little mark to indicate nothing here. And just as an um, actually uh, prevention here, the, the Romans, they, they did have notation for it. They they would write nulla, the word nulla, you know, oh, meaning like nullify, same like word. But it wasn't a symbol. It wasn't a mark, right? It was more just, hey, I know there's nothing here. It would be totally okay. awesome if they used like, they drew little cat heads. Oh, I guess then that might mean a tally for a cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this has been a word from your um actually prevention squad. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. It was the early Indian mathematicians that it seems like were the first ones that came up with this is a number. It's not just a quantity or an abstract placeholder. We'll come up with a specific consistent digit. number. Right. That is a digit. That's right. Mm-hmm. And they were. It looks you know, it looks like we trace back to about the ninth century. They have uh, inscriptions of uh, small circles in Indian mathematics that became zero. It seems so simple and yet it's so complicated in another way that once you allow yourself to think of zero as a number, you can open up to a lot more complicated types of mathematics. Right. For example, try try multiplying LXVI by VI, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, we laugh about yeah, it, no, but yeah. this was this posed a problem. Right. So you need a positional system and you need something to hold the place for zero that can be treated like a number. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, as we briefly touched on earlier in the show, you know, a lot of uh, early Islamic mathematicians made crazy strides in terms of advanced math. And they, in turn, were inspired by a lot of Indian and Hindu mathematicians. And so that tradition, we think came from the early Indian mathematicians through the Islamic world and from then on into the European world. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until the 12th century in Europe that the use of a consistent single mark, meaning zero as a number, became widespread. What did they use? They, as it, they would leave nothing. It would be an open column to indicate an empty quantity. There wasn't anything yeah. that they could manipulate as a number like a four or a seven mm-hmm. to do complex things like algebra, You know, which incidentally is an Arabic word, algebra. Mm-hmm. So along with a lot of other concepts, we, we got that through that tradition. So it is, it's just one of those things, again, we talk about things you take for granted. And when I first read this, it kind of just blew my mind of, all right, Zero is a quantity, but not a number. That this was a big issue once upon a time. Don't they talk about the Mayas in- invented zero or something? The Mayan calendar. The Mayan calendar would have, and, and there were other cultures that would have yeah. consistent marks for it to mm-hmm. say, you know, this is a a placeholder for the quantity. But they wouldn't do the kind of interactive mathematics using mm-hmm. it as a digit that we we're talking about. Okay. Yeah. I always thought algebra growing up, I thought it was like a bra made out of algae. <laughs> like a mermaid top. Yeah. Uh, oh, mermaid yeah. underwear. What do you what do you call a, that's, a mermaid okay. top? Algebra. Algebra. Yeah. Algebra. Yeah. That is what, what does a nerdy mermaid wear under <laughs> under algebra. algebra? Wow. Dear Laffy Taffy. <laughs> no. Karen, they, age thirty one. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not from children. Okay. Here is a quiz. I've always wanted to do this quiz, uh, and this oh. gives me the good opportunity to, to actually do it. <laughs> we could we could spin this out into uh, into a series if it should it prove popular. Wow! Should it become so a hit tell mathematically. Us, yes, <laughs> I'm calling this quiz. I forgot what I was supposed to remember, which is I'm going to give. There's there's a lot of uh, mnemonics in the math world to oh, remember yeah. certain math things. Taking a very abstract series of numbers and turning it into a memorable sentence or something along those lines. So I'm going to give you the mnemonic, and you tell me what this math mnemonic is supposed to help you remember. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, all right. Sometimes it's easier to remember the mnemonic than the (laughs) thing (laughs) that you're supposed to remember. Yes. Okay. Uh, So we'll start with one that you might remember from grammar school. 
Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Uh, whoa. Uh, Colin, maybe, well, I don't know. You, you both you both buzzed at the same time, and you both look the same amount of not sure. It's about, oh, no, uh, I'm sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Karen. Yeah. PEMDAS. Yeah. PEMDAS. It's the order of operation. It is, right. yes. Parentheses, yes. uh, like exponents. Exponents. Oh, okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember what the E was. That's why yeah. I... Remember. Yes. Okay. Yeah. To tell you when you have a division, division addition, addition subtraction. subtraction. To tell you that when you have a lengthy series of mathematical equations or a big mathematical equation, what, how do you what handle you it? Work what first. order? Well, what order you have to work it in first to get to the, to the correct answer? Yes. Please mm-hmm. excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Um, okay. <laughs> King Henry died by drinking chocolate milk. <laughs> Oh. Karen. Oh, no, I'm thinking about... Uh, <laughs> I thought was, it was Animal Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kingdom. Oh, oh Kingdom Phylum. No, no. Yeah, King Kingdom. Henry died by drinking chocolate milk. That is, oh, that's oh. it, it, uh, the multiples of tens in uh, the prefix, like yeah. kilo. Yeah, kilo, metric. hecto, deca, base, deci, centi, milli. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. King Henry died by drinking chocolate milk. Kilo, hecto, deca, Base. Now, some mnemonics use units or you because there is no word so for it. So B is just by yeah, itself? Bi. Okay. Deci, centi, centi milli. milli. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Here's a really short one. Some kids have trouble with this and they need a mnemonic for it. Nice doggy. <laughs> nice, nice doggy. Nice doggy. Dana. Numerator, denominator. Numerator, oh. denominator. Which one is on top? Which one is on the bottom? Oh. ND. Nice doggy. Nice doggy. Numerator, denominator. That is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I wish young Colin knew that one. Uh (laughs) Um, I value xylophones like cows dig milk. Said by a real lover of xylophones. Karen? Uh, This is Roman numerals. It is Roman numerals. IBX, LCDM, 1, 5, 10, 50, 100, 500, 1,000. I value xylophones like cows dig milk. This is a good twist on mnemonics. Oh, we're not really, nice. we're just kind of backwards figuring That's it out. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Here's, this is a mnemonic. This might be tough, but maybe you've heard this one before. So the mnemonic is five tomatoes. Five tomatoes. Five tomatoes. It's a, it's a unit conversion. It's oh. a certain unit conversion. Dana. Is it 5,000? No, it's uh, it's a no. certain unit conversion, and it tells you like when you're converting this unit of measurement to another Tomato. unit of measurement. Oh. A helpful way of remembering it would be five tomatoes. F-P. Feet. Oh, to five meters. Feet to, feet to no, oh. not a meter. It's no. not. So, do you know how many feet there are in a mile? Off the top of your head, oh, five thousand two hundred and eighty. Yes. Yeah. So if you remember what? five wow, two you know eight oh oh five uh, so okay. <laughs> so when you're thinking of feet in a mile, just think about five tomatoes. Oh five two eight o's five two eight oh fifty two eighty feet in a mile. That is that not is bad, good. right? That is good. Okay. Um, I've just been memorizing like a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> Some old hippie caught another hippie tripping on acid. Karen. Uh, a more common one is Sakatoa, yes. which is it's sine, cosine, and tangent. Yes, yeah. Find, finding the sine, cosine, and tangent based on angles in a right triangle. You can remember Sokatoa, S-O-H-C-H-T-O-A, but if that's uh, tough, you can just remember some old hippie caught another hippie tripping on acid. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> Not bad, right? That's pretty, pretty good. Okay, here is, here is a mnemonic. The mnemonic is, a rat in the house may eat the ice cream. This is to help you remember something mathematical-related that a lot of kids typically have trouble with. Just remember, a rat in the house may eat the ice cream. 
Karen. How to spell arithmetic? That is correct. Oh. John did not oh, yeah. paper, yes. A rat in the house may eat the ice cream. <laughs> the first letters of the word spell arithmetic what a weird, properly. <laughs> weird thing to need to remember. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it comes up a lot on spelling tests, and uh, you could you could you might get it wrong as saying like arithmetic. Right. Arithmetic. Right. <laughs> may I have a large container of coffee? <laughs> Colin. Uh, that is a mnemonic for digits of pi. It certainly is, yes. Wow. That gets you pi to seven digits by counting the... The number of letters in each, in word. each word. Yes. Mm-hmm. May I have a large container of coffee? That is three, one, four, one, etc. And those are your mnemonics. Wow. Thank you for helping fun. me to remember oh what I had to remember. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. Thing done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. All right, we're counting down to the end of the show, and um, we got one last quiz segment from yeah. college. Yes, we do. Uh, you guys mm-hmm. know who really loves numbers. Who? Robots. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so it is time once again for Elvis, the electronic lyrical vocal... Interpolation. Interpretation <laughs> system. Um. I, mean, I think we get sloppier each time. I think that we would actually get tighter. We should respect Elvis. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry, Elvis. Yes. Yeah. Elvis, of course, is our computerized. If this is like an all binary round. I'm super <laughs> angry. I've converted every song to binary. It's going to be like two hours long. Get at your pens. <laughs> I don't know, Colin. I give up. Elvis, of course, will be a computerized, synthesized voice speaking opening lines of hit songs, famous songs in his inimitable way. Uh, So today, in the spirit of numbers, uh, all of the songs have numbers in the title. So there's a theme. Yes, so just remember that. And what I'm looking for is the name of the song and also who performed the song. It would be a very annoying thing for us to do is to just predict what all the songs are going to be. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking... No, that would be a very annoying thing to do, yes. (laughs) You're right. I so got told. Do so you don't are do correct. It. But everybody's thinking about it now. They're getting ready. Okay, here we go. Jenny, Jenny, who can I turn to? You give me something I can hold on to. I know you think I'm like the other before who saw your name and number on the wall. <laughs> it's so weird coming from a robot. Voice. Uh, Chris. Uh, I believe the song title is. Jenny, and then in parentheses, 8675309. Close enough. It's, it's, it's actually inverted, yes. Oh, okay. It's 8675309 no slash yeah. Jenny. Yeah. Um, and that is by 
Jake Idle's band? No. 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 Dana? Tommy Tutone. Tommy Tutone. Like a Dick Tracy Which gangster. also yeah. has a number in its name. Oh. Yeah. Uh, that was that? intentional. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, it's Good T-U. catch, Chris. It's what T-U tone. Yeah. T-U-T-O-N-E. Here we go. Next one. Is it getting better? Or do you feel the same? Will it make it easier on you now? You got someone to blame. Karen. One by you two. Correct. Which also has two. It does. Oh, hey. It does. Yeah. It does. Good job. Moving right along. Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen. Pour myself a cup of ambition. Yawn and stretch and try to come alive. I think that was Dana. Nine to five. It is nine to five. Dolly Parton. By Dolly Parton. I jogged to that song before work. (laughs) (laughs) From the movie of the same name, of course. A little bit of a more up-tempo hit. It feels like a perfect night to dress up like hipsters and make fun of our exes. Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. It feels like a perfect night for breakfast at midnight to fall in love with strangers. Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. This song is so familiar. What song this is this? This is a very recent hit. Yes. By a very young female singer. Dana. Um, it's Taylor Swift. Is it 22? 22. Yes. Yeah. Taylor Swift. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> Here's a, a big hit from the 1980s. You and I in a little toy shop. Buy a pack of balloons with the money we've got. Set them free at the break of dawn, till one by one they were gone. Dana again. 99 red left balloons. Left balloons. <laughs> I like the mashup, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 99 that was balloons. the English version, so 99 Nine red le- balloons. Or 99 left balloons. Right, that was, yeah. that was the, that was the original version, right. Nina? Nina. By Nina, Nina. correct. I thought you were gonna, I thought Elvis was gonna sing in German. I'd be like, oh, I uh-huh. know what it is. He's not that smart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he doesn't have that module. Yeah. Alright, this is a little tricky here, but I, I think you guys have enough information. This is a number one hit from 1955. Some people say a man is made out of mud. A poor man's made out of muscle and blood. Muscle and blood and skin and bones. A mind that's weak and a back that's strong. Oh my god, nightmare. That was, first of all, that was really good rhythmic talking on Elvis's part for that one. That <laughs> the song is 16 tons. Correct. I do not know. Uh, yeah, made famous by Tennessee Ernie Ford. Yes. Oh, okay. It's yes. such a good song. It is a yeah, good, sure, good, yeah. just solid song. Man. All right, last one. Here, guys, we'll close this out. You guys ready for some slow jams? Here's a slow jam. <laughs> Candlelight and soul forever. A dream of you and me together. Say you believe it. Say you believe it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hit from the 1990s. Karen. What is it? Oh my god. To Become One that is Spice Girls. To Become One by the Spice Girls. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I'm hitting myself. <laughs> it just Why sucks do I know all that? the soul right out of the song. When to become one. That's a good song. <laughs> well done, team. Well done. Thanks, Elvis. And thanks, Elvis. Thanks, Elvis. All right, and that's our number show thank you guys for joining me and thank you guys listeners for listening in hope you learned a lot about nothing 
in the form of zero. <laughs> phone numbers and mnemonics and a bunch of cool stuff about math. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and also on our website, goodjobbrain.com. And check out our sponsor at squarespace.com slash goodjobbrain. And uh, thank you, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 Bye.